Welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is on Rimmed Capsule, and my guest is uh, none other than the creator of Rimmed Capsule himself, uh, Martin Jonason. Hello. How are you doing, Martin? Pretty good. Coming to us all the way from Sweden. Indeed. It's midnight here. It's <laughs> yeah. late. That's, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you could uh, uh, work me into your schedule here. Um, but yeah, you just released, uh, Rim Capsule, uh, what, it's about maybe a month out? Uh, yeah, soon, oh my god, it is, yeah, (laughs) 27 days ago. About a month that it's come to, uh, PlayStation Mobile and the Vita, and then you released it on iOS and Android a little bit later, didn't you? Yes. Okay. iOS and Android was just over, just under a month ago, and Vita's been out since May 5th, I think. So a little while longer. Very cool. Um, well, I first, uh, let's just kind of get into to you, yourself. Uh, what, what's kind of your gaming background? And then uh, maybe leading up to, to becoming an indie dev and becoming uh, this creator of a Rimmed Capsule. So the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of uh, well, a big question, I guess. I, I, yeah, I, I started making games about... I guess it's about 20 years ago. Like I'm, I'm almost 30 years old now, so when I was like 10 or something, I started fiddling with games, like the, the good old-fashioned click-and-play. I think today it's what's known as multimedia fusion. I think it's the same like evolution of the series. But okay. 20 years ago, it was a lot more terrible, and <laughs> I did some really, really bad games in that. Uh, but I very much enjoyed... like having a computer do my bidding. So I sort of stuck to that, uh, did some programming and, uh, started using flash pretty early on. So I've been a, a flash developer for probably 15 years now, which is crazy long time, um, for something like flash. Mm-hmm. And then I started studying games at university and really got into making games more, more full time. And, uh, Turns out it's hard to find a job as a, as a game developer. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can imagine. I got into, uh, into web development instead, and that's been paying the bills for it's like four or five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, I got really tired of, of the place I worked at. I mean, the people were nice, but the, the job wasn't super exciting. I made homepages for, for food lemonade and stuff <laughs> it's not very rock and roll at all i can completely so I, understand I, uh, I had some money saved up so i quit and i've been sort of like moving over to making video games instead of doing the flash dev stuff and um capsule is actually my first sort of full-time project crazy enough yeah very cool well i and you talk about how you were making games over 20 years ago but 
Uh, what, what were the kinds of things you were playing? I mean, you're saying that you're playing, uh, I'm guessing you did some stuff on the PC, but did you ever have a handheld system at all or, or play any of those game, kinds of games? Well, I've, I've always been a Nintendo kid. All right. Uh, so I had a Game Boy way back when, and uh, an NES, and the NES, Super NES, and all of those. Uh, but yeah, I played a lot of Tetris, as, as, as you probably can tell sure. from, from Game Capsule <laughs> as well. Uh, I still have my original Game Boy somewhere. I take nice. it out from time to time. Uh, actually, maybe I should bring it for my PAX flights. It's, it's only like 14 hours or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just make sure you bring a, a box of AA batteries with you. But it's a Game Boy. They last for <laughs> forever. Yeah, but they take like four four of those things. Yeah, but it runs for like a week. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, so that I played a lot of that. And then I sort of a bunch of PC games, I guess. A lot of strategy games when I was a kid, which you also can tell from... Right. Uh, I think in the Pocket Gamer article, you talked a lot about playing Command and Conquer. And that was one of the yeah. ones that kind of uh, immediately inspired Rim Capsule. Yeah, absolutely. And I had, a, <laughs> had this little like utility that you could use to change the data files for Command and Conquer. So you can make the soldiers like fire flamethrowing grenades. <laughs> and super ridiculous. Well, cool. Um, so talk, talk a little bit more kind of about that, about uh, the games that you played before influencing the way that, that Rim Capsule came about? Because the because I, th- I think the way you described it uh, before is that it was kind of a game built around the base-building concept. Yeah, and, I mean, that wasn't on purpose. Or, like, I, I wasn't aware that that's what the game was going to be about when I started making it. Um, I just made a game... Well, I can I can tell the original story. I had this little idea about a game where you're on a space station, and the space station like you get like a hull breach, so the like the atmosphere of the station goes out out into space, and you have little guys working in the station, and they fly along like out into space. I'm doing charades here; you can't tell, <laughs> but it's, it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> they're sort of flying into space, like wow, and. I wanted to capture that in a video game, so I, I started programming this little thing where you build the base. And as it turned out, it was a lot of fun just to like assemble the base from from these. Uh, I use Tetris pieces because I I mean Tetris pieces are magical. And uh, as it turns out, it's enjoyable to stack Tetris pieces. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, only later did it turn into this like resource management type of strategic game, um, and I'm not even sure it was like the the fact that I was so inspired by Command and Conquer and I guess Warcraft as well. Mm-hmm. Warcraft Two is the one I played the most. I don't think I okay, that's that's I figured out figured that that after the fact after fact, after after. after it. Okay, uh, hang on, Martin. You're getting some feedback. Uh, so, like, the last 10 seconds of that was kind of illegible. Oh, my lord. All right. Uh, no. You're fine. You're fine now. So, I, I, think, I think it's probably okay. Um, it was just, like, that last little bit that kind of got cut off. 
Okay, so the original concept of that ejecting guys into space, uh, have you played a game, uh, the game FTL, that Kickstarter game? Yes, I have. And I was, <laughs> it was a little bit scary because when they, around when they launched, I was um, probably half done with the game. Or I, at the time, I thought I was completely done, but that's the way it normally works. <laughs> uh, so I was a bit worried. I knew it was set on a space station and it was like strategic or like a, a spaceship. And it was like strategic and you had these little guys walking around. It's like, oh, like I really hope this is my game, uh, and we've sort of made like I've made a copy of their game, right? Even though I designed it independently without knowing what their game was like at all, it would still look like a, like a copy if it came out later. But and I can imagine like, that fortunately it was completely different. Yeah, I can imagine that's got to be a pretty nervous, scary feeling to think that the thing you've been working on for so long could kind of be sniped by somebody else accidentally yeah, and but it, still and I, I mean you'd sort of i sort of resent them for that even though it's completely <laughs> not their fault or mine but they stole my thunder or right didn't they couldn't <laughs> but yeah but your game turned into this kind of completely different thing i mean in that game i think it's not completely literally that you like open the doors and people fly out but there's still kind oh. of that oxygen concept but uh, Rim Capsule turned into to something completely separate from that. Um, but you kind of had this this base, this started this kind of space uh, station building concept, uh, and and that was kind of based on uh, playing Command and Conquer and and liking the base building stuff from that. Um, but uh, when did when did the game kind of turn into the combat area? Like when did uh, when did that kind of get added? Uh, I sort of reluctantly added the combat. Uh, like I, I feel there's enough games with shooting and violence in them already, so I try not to do that, uh, at least lately. But it just worked so well for this. Like, I needed something... I mean, you can build your base, and that's all fun, but it it sort of takes an extra step when you sort of go and poke the player a little bit. Like, hey, that fun thing you were doing. you got to deal with this other stuff, too. Like, uh, so you got to sort of remove the, the freedom a little bit to make it feel more enjoyable once you get to build freely. Mm -hmm. uh, and the enemies just happen to work really great for that. Um, and, like, another another really big thing that I, I added somewhat late in the development was the monoliths. That's when it sort of really came together. That's when I knew, like, this is gonna, this is gonna work. It's, it's gonna be something um, because in the beginning you just build this like very compact, very well defended base, and you could last forever. Uh, but then I added the monoliths that make you sort of spread out your station a bit more, mm -hmm. make it more attractive to sort of. I don't know, spread yourself a little bit thinner. Yeah, it gives and you that tension that the more you spread out, the more vulnerable you become. So you kind of have to to weigh your options in that in that sense. That's where, like, that's <laughs> that's sort of the entire thing the game hinges <laughs> on. This like um, this decisions you have to make, like how fast do I want to expand and how um, because you can't go too slow either. It's like this how. <laughs> how careful do I want to be 
And if you're too careful, you're also screwed. So that's that's sort of the thing. The, the entire game sort of hinges on that balance between expansion and sort of turtling down. Sure. I, and and to a point, there's there's some precision required in that of of how far how far out do you build? Do you try to get the monoliths really quickly, or or try to build up your defense, or or how you kind of do that? Um, and and all of that it seems very precise and very interesting for uh, something like a leaderboard or like how many waves can you get to, but then you also have um, let's call it some endearing AI. Uh, I think you you've mentioned it as uh, kind of silly, maybe even a little stupid sometimes. Yeah, um, with, they're, they're, with the minion uh, characters. Well, like I tweak them a whole bunch to have them be adorably stupid. There that's you sort go. Of that's the, the goal. Um, but and, and people have some legitimate complaints about them being a bit too stupid in some cases. But all like all in all, I'm pretty happy with them. Like they're they're not super clever. They're smart enough to sort of like not having you do all the micromanagement, but dumb enough that you can't just set them and forget them. You sort of need to help them a little bit. Uh, a surprising amount of people don't get that. Like, it's, it's a part of the game that they're stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get a lot of emails being like, oh, you've got to fix the AI. <laughs> uh, and then i got to write them a polite reply explaining, <laughs> well, it's supposed to be that way. Right. <laughs> Which I, feels like a total cop-out from my end. <laughs> like, oh, man, it's supposed to be bad. It's not a bug. It's a feature, yeah. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, I can imagine that when when it seems like the the base-building concept itself can be so precise... Uh, and and the concept of of the uh, balance of how far you get out to how much defense you have that when you have that small bit of randomness within the within the minions I, I guess I can see that but like you said it's it's something that everybody's kind of dealing with uh, so if any any questions about kind of score or how far you got everyone's still on the same playing field and it, it does kind of make the game almost a human in a way where there, there are going to be people who make mistakes and not everything is going to run at a hundred percent efficiency. Yeah. And you also have to build your base for the minions. You can't build your base for yourself or like you have to think about, like you have to consider how stupid they are and sort of make it easy for them to, to do the right thing. Uh, and that works most of the time. Sometimes they're just really dumb. Well, let me ask a, a really technical question. How do you uh, how do you choose how the doors get laid out? Because uh, I know when I'm when I'm building corridors and then building a room, uh, depending on where I'm putting it, the door might change. Where maybe I'd want the yeah. door in a different spot because I I feel like the minions would uh, respond to that a little bit better. But it seems like there are set positions where the door will go based on where you put the piece. Yeah, so it's <laughs> the way, uh, like, I, I did it this way first. Like, I don't want to bother, didn't want to bother with doing, like, a GUI for placing the door mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, and I just did it the, the simplest possible way. So the, each tile in the in little piece has, like, they're in, there's an order to them, like, each tile. And it just starts with whatever happens to be the first tile in that four-tile block in starts with i think south which works out to be up to the left i think okay. and just tries to put a door on each side and the first one that works it's the one that goes okay and it just worked out really well so i kept it 
and it's not super intuitive at all where the door <laughs> ends up, but I didn't find, like, it didn't really need to be. It's just, you get the door here. Right. Uh, plus, it's, it's also uh, consistent. So, like, if you move it and go back, you still get the door in the same place. Uh, so the same piece in the same position will sure. just happen in the same spot. Okay. Uh, how, how long did Room Capsule take, take you to make, all, all in all? Uh, so I started right after GDC, like a year and a half ago. Um, so that's Game Developers Conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's obvious to me, but it might not be to everyone else. Um, so right after Game Developers Conference, I started. So that's like March, uh, a year and a half ago. And then I, I put probably a year into it full time, spread out over a year and a half, maybe a little bit more now, actually. Um, but something like that. So just over a year of, of full-time work. And is that the, the longest you've put into a game? Um, probably, yeah. Uh, it's not the, the longest, like, from start to finish, but it, it is for sure the most amount of work I've put into a game. Sure. And, and I think you mentioned, uh, again, in this Pocket Gamer article, and I'll make sure to link that uh, after in the show notes here, uh, but that a lot of that time or a, a good chunk of that time was porting the game to PlayStation Mobile, correct? Yes. So can can you talk uh, more about how uh, you got con- in contact with Sony or how they got in contact with you, uh, how and kind of why uh, Rim Capsule ended up on PlayStation Mobile first? Uh, so I was, I was in contact with them. I, I made a game uh, together with Patrick Burrow, who probably is the best best known for crayon physics mm-hmm. um also ios and ipad nowadays as well <laughs> um it's a really good ipad port you should get that I, I don't have an ipad i i do have it on my my ipod touch uh if i get an ipad though it'll be one of the first things i grab yeah the the, the ipod version is really old and made by another company who made the ipad port himself so ah. that's really good but i'm not here to flog his stuff i'm going to flog my stuff <laughs> Anyway, so we made a game together called Jesus vs. Dinosaurs, um, which is exactly as ridiculous as it sounds. <laughs> uh, and we were in contact with Sony very briefly about this game, um, which is, I don't know, it's not even secret. Like, we, we talked to them and we decided it wasn't a good fit. Like, the game was too small to to make bigger and put on a console for, for real, and neither of us really felt like putting like a year or two into that game. Um, so we decided to not do it. But anyway, we had the contact with Sony, and then a, a little while later I started this game, and I put up a trailer like, last summer, like a super, super short teaser trailer. It's like 30 seconds long or something, and you can't see anything. It's just, just a blur. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> my contact at Sony was like, "Hey, we should put that game on our on our PlayStation Mobile thing." Um, and they offered me a, an, an advance on royalties, uh, which was very nice yeah. for for a, for a game developer with no money like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that gave me a little bit of safety and a little bit of confidence to to work on the game longer and. Also, it covered the, the cost of porting to their to the, the PlayStation Mobile thing. Nice. So that's why I started out there. Uh, it's also cool to have your game on a 
<laughs> it's weird to say like actual console device, but I guess it is. I mean, I, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. It says Sony on it, and it has, <laughs> it's like close enough. Like, it, it gives it some air of legitimacy that it's not just one of the millions of games on the iOS App Store that yeah. are free or ninety nine cents or whatever they are. But yeah, it's <laughs> it does sound weird to say it's a real game, but uh, but yeah, I, I can see that. Um, did when you were actually building the game, were you thinking this is something uh, that you would want on a handheld device? Were were you thinking that this might be a PC game, and then it just kind of turned into something that was handheld, or was that something that you thought of from the very beginning? Um, so when I started it, I had no idea. Like I was just trying stuff, but pretty early on, I I uh, figured out that it worked pretty well on the iPad. Uh, so that's what I sort of targeted from the beginning like this is going to be an ipad game and maybe if it does well i'll see if i can get it um to fit on the iphone screen and i'll work the rest out from there sort of so the the first like the original trailer um is made on like it's filmed off of my ipad one screen in my bed (laughs) and uh, then i brought it to the, the playstation mobile thing and then it sort of came back to ipad for the the most recent launch. Okay. So it's always been a, a, mo- a mobile game, um, but it wasn't a, a PlayStation mobile game up until a little sure. bit later. Uh, I mean, feel free to kind of dodge this question uh, if you if you want to. But what are your thoughts on on the Vita as a as a game system itself and the PlayStation Mobile service and and kind of how it uh, builds into that platform? I think. I mean, the Vita is obviously, is, I mean, it's not selling amazingly well, mm-hmm. but it's catching up pretty, pretty well. And Sony's really behind it. I mean, they they put it, they're putting so many indie games on it. It's ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know what they're up to, but that's very, very um, reassuring, I guess, for the for the Vita. And they're sort of really putting their their weight behind it. Uh, and I mean, it's a really cool device. I mean, the hardware is really nice. They, the battery lasts forever. The screen's nice. Uh, but I mean, that's for nothing if there's nothing to play on it. And they're obviously, I mean, the Vita is in a sort of a weird spot. Everyone has a cell phone already or a smartphone, mm-hmm. so they need to put some really cool games on there uh, to sort of compensate for that. And I think they're doing that. Um, so that's. I, I'm hopeful for the Vita. I think they're, it's going to be interesting to see what they're up to. Yeah, they're, they're definitely, I feel like they're taking a turn. Um, this, this last week, uh, games like Dive Kick came out. Spelunky actually comes out uh, today um, for, for Vita. And they're, they're getting a lot of great ports from other things like, like Spelunky, like Hotline Miami. Um, and then at this last week at Gamescom, they announced all of these indie games that will be coming to both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita. And and that is, like you said, very very encouraging, very reassuring that there there is value to having this system. Uh, I think right now what they're kind of lacking is is the kind of AAA style games. Um, and when you imagine this, this console that costs you, well, now $200, uh, that's still a $200 investment to buy these $5, $10 indie games 
Uh, I, I'm sure that can kind of scare people away, but when you think of how many of these experiences you can get, uh, I, I think it starts to sound like a more legitimate uh, reason to, to pick one up. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the read. I hope it does well because it's an interesting device and it's, I mean, it's less daunting to develop for as an independent developer. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> it's, it's scary to do stuff for a proper console because that puts some some expectations for like production values and mm. size and quality and like it, it being mobile lets you scale that back a little bit uh, and if you're a small team or a one-man team that's a nice thing yeah definitely um so uh, talking about being a one-man team uh you you built this game more or less completely by yourself. The only thing that, that wasn't done by you was the music, which was done by uh, Nicholas Strom. Can you talk to uh, how how you uh, got in touch with him or how, how he became part of the project and, and how he influenced the project? Um, sure. He, did, he actually did sound effects as well. So oh, yeah. All the, the audio. Um, but sure. Uh, we, uh, we actually went to school together, so that's where I know him from. Okay. Uh, studied... I guess it's like sound design or something. It's, it's the same school as I studied at. I studied game design. Uh, but we never actually did anything together back then. Uh, but and he happens to live like two blocks away from me right now. <laughs> uh, and we uh, we sort of have a common interest in the like organ uh, music thing that we put in the game in the end so like when i once i decided like that what the game was going to be like the sort of slow pace like spacey type of thing i was like i, I knew for sure i mean i know a bunch of musicians uh, like game people uh but i was absolutely sure he was the guy <laughs> to go to it's like I, I just gave him this really short description it was something like like the deep forests in but in space uh, <laughs> with organs and drums. And he's like, sure, awesome. <laughs> it took a day and then he sent me, it wasn't the final, it wasn't the, the final song that's in the game. It was shorter then. It was like five minutes long. Uh, now it's 15 minutes long, the full version. But like he just nailed it from the beginning. And and so when when did that music come into the process? Was that something that you took inspiration from as you were building the game, or was that something that kind of uh, was happening near the very end, where things were kind of set and just the music uh, played towards what the game would be? That was probably. I mean, the game itself had sort of gelled or whatever. Like I started in March, and probably in May or June, it was pretty much. I mean, it was not as polished as it is today, but pretty much there. Like some tweaks and stuff, but like the game was like if if I show you a build from like July, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, I can obviously tell the difference sure. because. I've slayed over that stuff <laughs> like months and months, but like, it's not it's not a huge difference. So, and his music was in for probably like a month into the project. So it's been it's been there all the time, pretty much. Okay. Uh, 
and this interesting thing happens. Like if, if anyone who's done anything sort of creative with music to it, pretty quickly learns that you will hate that music. <laughs> like from like just just stands for all the suffering in the project because it reminds you how terrible everything was and like how like you heard it. Like I start like when I'm working on the game, I probably started like fifty times, hundred times a day. Um, if that's even enough, like a ridiculous amount of times. If I try to fix something, I start the game and the music starts and I start the game. And somehow I'm still not tired of music. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. That's pretty but impressive. That's a, that's a good I, piece of music. I can still listen to it and not want to kill myself <laughs> and more people near me, which is a good thing. So with all this, uh, with all this experience playing the game so many times and tweaking it and knowing how the game works, uh, would you feel like you're a, a pretty pretty good rim capsule player? I think I am. I mean, I can I can do all the monoliths in less than forty minutes. And I, I don't. I'm not even actually sure what my record is for what number of waves. Okay, because that was going to be my next question. Yeah. <laughs> and then the question the question I'd have after that is like, how many people have written to you and said, "Hey, I've gotten to wave whatever," and <laughs> thinking if, if you knew what your highest was and just thinking, well, how the hell did they get there? I, I'm the one who built this game. <laughs> Shouldn't I be able to the, do that? The highest, the highest one I've seen, like a, it's a friend of mine has played, it's 54 wow. waves. Uh, and that's the highest I've seen a screenshot of. Like I, <laughs> I know for sure that it's happened. Um, I mean, the game center leaderboards are somewhat unreliable well, because people yeah. are cheating. Um, I'm, it's been a while since I checked. Is is there a maximum that's programmed into the game? Nope. No, it just kind of. <laughs> at some I think point, that's why people have like max in high scores. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, man, um, well, let's let's talk about the name a little bit because that's come up with. I don't know if controversy is the right word, but there's definitely uh, been some possible hiccups with it. Uh, the name Rim Capsule, uh, you want to just speak to kind of where that comes from? Uh, yeah, so I, um, I wanted, like, I had a few sort of requirements for the name. Like, I wanted something that was unique, like something that I could sort of, I could get the domain, I could own that name. Like, if people Google for it, I'd be the first hit. Um, and I wanted something that would sort of describe the, the feeling of the game, obviously. And I wanted something that would sound a little bit foreign and sort of maybe a little bit Russian space programming. Um, and I also, for some reason, I like naming things in Swedish because <laughs> I guess it's like my heritage or something. I don't know. Some national pride in there. Yeah, I guess. Uh, like, and I picked this because I figured it was like just foreign enough to sound a little bit weird, but people would still sort of be able to parse like this is one like to pronounce it uh, but as it turns out I was wrong <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I, I'm, I'm still like I wouldn't change it like I would I would like the next name I pick for a game I think I'm gonna try on some more people first before I decide <laughs> on it. maybe fair enough uh, I, do you do you think that name has has actually helped or hurt the awareness of your game because on on one level 
you're getting maybe the more hardcore people who are searching out the game and they're finding it first because it's easy to find once you actually know what the name is. Uh, but yeah. then maybe you're you're missing some casual people who who don't know how to spell it or hear it and are unable to to spell it or find it like that. I mean, it's it's nearly impossible to tell. Yeah, uh, I suppose so. I have like obviously I've had Twitter search for it, so I get I can I can see when people are talking about it on Twitter, which is not very healthy. I would <laughs> doing that, uh, but I I have to. Uh, like sure. I, I couldn't remove that. I, I'm too curious. Um, and like, it hasn't happened that many times that I've seen it. But from time to time, someone's like, "Hey, I'm taking out this game. Uh, it's like Space Station something, and you build it with blocks." And someone else answers, "Game Captain." So I can go back and see in the conversation what they were talking about, and someone forgot the name of the game. Uh, but I think. Like from from at least from my own perspective, it's very rare that I go to the app store and search for a game. It's almost always like I click on a link on Twitter or it's featured, sure, or like I read a like a, a review or something. It's very pretty rare that I actively go to seek out a game that I haven't seen like a link for or something. But it's not it's not perfect. I would prefer a more searchable name, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, well, um, something that you've mentioned before about kind of this core of the game being that conflict uh, of of the the defense and offense, uh, or the the defense and the exploration of the of the monoliths. Uh, something that you have mentioned or has been asked of you before is is maybe a Zen kind of mode where it's uh, where you don't have to worry about the enemies and are just focusing on the base building. And, and the minions, uh, and is I mean, it sounded like from the the Pocket Gamer article that that's something that maybe you'd like to do, but uh, you have to weigh that with the other options of what else you might want to do with your time in, in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's been on my, I have a little, uh, like, Google Doc of, like, my to-do list for the game, uh, which I've kept since I started, so it has, like, <laughs> 300-something items on it. Uh, sometimes I like it's always all the, the lines are hidden, so I don't see them. But sometimes I just enable all the lines. So I can see like, oh my god, I've done all this. <laughs> and some of them are like font size on da 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 is too small, so it's like a two minute fix. And some of them are like make game not bad. <laughs> <laughs> some some items are slightly larger. It, is that one check, checked off or not? Uh, I think it checked off. I think all of it checked <laughs> off. It was briefly. I think there's some more stuff on there now. But uh-huh. uh, and send mode has been on there since forever. Um, and but it's it's weird making a, a game that sort of like has a stated goal of being minimalist mm-hmm. because you can't really just put stuff into it because it stops being minimalist. <laughs> yeah, at some point. I can imagine. Uh, so and and that felt like a thing that wasn't absolutely essential. So I, I decided like I, I'm if the game does well, I'll put it in in an update or something. Like I don't want to. I didn't want to deal with it at the time because it has some issues. Like a send mode would let you build an infinitely big space station, mm-hmm. and the game will not deal well with a, an infinitely big space station. Things will start to break. And sure. Things will start to take a very long time, and the frame rate will drop, and all of these technical issues that I had to deal with. Um, so I decided, like, 
not today, another day, and I sort of push that forward. Okay. Uh, well, let's let's talk about. Huh? Sorry. I was just going to say, let's talk about uh, kind of what you're. Let, let's not talk about what you're going to do way down in the future, because I'm sure there's stuff that you either can't talk about or don't want to talk about or haven't even decided yet. But let's talk about kind of what you're doing uh, in the very near future, which is uh, which is PAX. Yes. So I got a 7 a.m. flight uh, the day after tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going to be terrible. Whew. Yeah, come yeah, all the way then, to Seattle, though. And then I think I think the reason PAX is four days. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the reason is because they... Like, they always sell out the tickets, so they've added more days, I think. That's my understanding, but I'm not entirely sure. And now they have it on the weekend of, of Labor Day weekend here in the United States, so that gives everybody that Monday off. So they have, oh, they have no I other reason. I was hoping Monday would be sort of like a, a nice day. I mean, it, it might be, since I'm assuming that people would be traveling home that day, but uh, it, there's reasons for people to, to stick around all that time. For sure. Yes. So yeah, that's like being a one-man team is pretty nice most of the time. But for doing events like this, it's it's just not it's not cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so like it starts at nine in the morning. It runs at like like nine in the evening, four days in a row. Uh, and it's just it's just hard work for real hard work. Um, and having to be you got to be sort of active and talk to people a lot uh, and sort of grab people and say, hey, how are you doing? And be like, a, being a nice guy. Right. Uh, as it turns out, being a nice guy for like <laughs> 12 <laughs> hours every day is a bit much for someone who spends like most of their time sort of locked up in a, in a dark room. Um, <laughs> well, what, yeah, it's, what's kind of your uh, plan for PAX? You, you have a, a small booth. You're going to be in the ND Mega booth. And you'll be showing yeah. off your game there, and people can people can come and play it. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Like I haven't, <laughs> like I I only found out I had, I got a spot in a sort of a, a weird way. So I only found out I had a spot about two weeks ago. So it's not super planned on my end. Okay. Um, but I figured the game has done well enough that I can sort of treat myself to a murder trip to PAX and work for. <laughs> The entire day, four days in a row. So, yeah, uh, so the idea is that you're actually just going to be sitting in sitting in the booth, have your little sign out there saying it's Rim Capsule, come here and play it. Are you, are you not going to – I mean, I'm sure you're going to go there and see people and talk to people. Is there anything you're excited about uh, seeing at PAX? Any, any people that you're looking forward to seeing? I'm looking forward to buying stuff. I think that's <laughs> – I'm going to buy so many T-shirts, man. Any, anything <laughs> in particular? Just, t-shirts. What? What kind of T-shirts? Indie game T-shirts. Oh, okay. Nice. I've, I've seen Cappy has a few really good ones, like Super Time Force T-shirts. I'm very excited about those. Yeah, at uh, at PAX East, uh, uh, and I guess it was only a few months ago, uh, but they had they had a half and half booth. They went halfsies with Double Fine to get a booth. Oh, right. And so they yeah. made these uh, Double Fine and Cappy shirts that had the two-headed baby of Double Fine, but it had the Capybara heads of uh, of Cappy. <laughs> And I was I was lucky enough to be able to grab one of those shirts, and I think it's one of my favorites ever. 
I will. I will also be bringing some very exclusive T-shirts. Oh, there you go. That's well. I mean, <laughs> it's too that, late that for I've people heard. to go jump in and get their tickets to PAX. You're about uh, two months, three months late <laughs> on getting your passes. Well, but the, the 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 very practical thing is because I'm from Sweden, I have to. Um, like I can't bring whatever I want into the U.S. because of customs and oh. blah blah blah. <laughs> so bringing like fifty T-shirts is a very bad idea because they will take them away from you and possibly <laughs> won't let you into the country. Um, luckily, I don't have to try this because people have tried it before and <laughs> been sort of politely rejected from entering the U.S. Oh man. Uh, uh, I, I mean, it's, they, it's good I, that you I think get to just learn. Take your stuff. I think they still let you in. But either way, I can't bring more than a reasonable person would bring uh, without causing suspicion. And I think I'm going to give them away because I can't technically sell them. Sure. Okay. Wow. Complicated. That's. I mean, you, at least you've learned from other people's mistakes, and uh, you won't have any of your stuff uh, confiscated. Uh, I guess you hope. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they decide is a reasonable number of T-shirts for a person to have. <laughs> Maybe that changes. I, I, yeah, I get. I sweat a lot. I need them like, <laughs> yeah. for, for changes every day. There you the go. T-shirts. And it's it's so weird that all the shirts are the same and yeah, <laughs> just, it's okay. it's for business. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't I, I don't want to have that discussion with the guy in the in the customs booth. <laughs> I, I very much prefer not to have that discussion. Well, just just pop out your Vita and say, hey, uh, I make this game. Why don't you play it for 45 minutes, and then it will yeah. kill you. And then That's... you can have one of the T-shirts and just let me take the rest. Yeah, yeah, bribing <laughs> him. It's just there's some money in there, maybe, as well. <laughs> Uh, the wheels speaking of speaking of 45 minutes, that's also like a, a drawback of this game at events. Because it's not like something you hand a person and sure. play it two or three minutes, and it's like, okay, cool. No, it's like a 45-minute thing to play the game. Right, because so. that's kind of when... that That's really where the game decides, hey, we're going to start challenging you now. Start yeah. really challenging you anyway. Uh, yeah. How did you come up with the, uh, the different challenges uh, when, uh, like, to get all the monoliths in so much time or to, uh, to defend for so many waves? Is that just a little extra incentive on what players' goals should be in a way for them, a way to try to kind of uh, push them in specific directions? Um, yeah, I sort of, I, I think that they're all quite inspired by, like, achievements, but mm-hmm. achievements in a good way. I mean, now the game has actual achievements as well, which also, as it happens, line up perfectly with the missions. But it's, I feel it's a nice way to sort of tell the player, this is what you're supposed to do if you want to. Like, here's a goal for you to achieve, but you don't really have to if you don't want to. Like, it's a, a sort of a, a discreet way of pushing the players. Like, hey, look over here. Here's some stuff you can do yeah. uh, uh, without having it being, like, explicitly stated. You have to survive for blah, blah, blah. Um, because I, I was trying to make it feel a little bit less like you failed uh, when you... Like when you lose your last minion and you sort of die, mm-hmm. I I wanted to make I wanted to sort of lessen the the impact of that and have people feel like they oh like it doesn't matter I had a good run like I I, I did up I did well up until this point uh, and I felt the missions was 
allow me to do that in a, in a nice, nice way. Okay. And I think it really helps because it, it doesn't fee- – it tutorializes a little bit without, uh, you know, being hand-holdy. Uh, you talked about being a Nintendo gamer growing up. Uh, do you have a 3DS or have you played uh, recent Nintendo games and do you kind of have that <laughs> – how do you no, feel about I, the uh, hand-holdingness of Nintendo? It's the, it's the Luigi one, right? It's yeah. just like a 10-hour-long tutorial. Um, it's – it's hard because people will bash you for having a tutorial and they will also bash you for not understanding the game. <laughs> and the trick is sort of teaching people without them knowing they're being taught, um, which is hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, the, the tutorial stuff in, in Capsule is probably the, the single biggest sort of tweak fest I've had just to make it be because it's all context sensitive you can just play and the tutorial will get out of your way sort of and it tries to give you sort of helpful notes um, not when you're in trouble but slightly before you're in trouble which makes it even harder (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because it's very hard for me to sort of figure out what your intent is I mean you maybe you meant to run out of this resource and maybe you um So yeah, that that's been that's that's like the, the, the single hardest thing I've I've done in the game, and I, I don't I don't think I've heard anyone actually complain. A few people has complained about the tutorial being always on. There's a setting to mm. turn it off. Um, so they're they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I wrong. honestly I would agree. Uh, I think I think it does fine. I think uh, you should meet with Nintendo and tell them a little bit about how to do a tutorial. Uh, because you hit the nail on the head. I'm playing uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team, and I'm about four hours into it, and I still am getting, hey, Mario, do you know how to do this? And I go, yes, I know how to, to jump. I've been doing it for since 1985. You don't need to tell me how to do it anymore, Nintendo. Uh, yeah, that's also that's also a pretty interesting thing when you're making games, because like especially for iOS or, or Android, like the sort of the mass market platforms, you're your your game is expected to cater to someone that has played Angry Birds, right? Period. And to someone that's been playing video games their entire life, and they will both get mad at you if, <laughs> if it's not the way they want it to be. Um, and neither of them will accept like having to pick like I am a beginner or I'm a, like it has to be one size fits all, kind of sort of at least. Uh, because like gamers, they won't play the tutorial. If they can skip the tutorial, they will, and they won't understand what they're doing, and they will be upset, and they will post on forums about it. It's a, <laughs> sort of a, it's a tricky problem, uh, but it's, it's also an enjoyable one to sort of work on and solve. Uh, well, uh, Martin, I think you've made uh, an excellent game, uh, one that I've played. Uh, I think I've only probably played it about four times, but that's. That was enough uh, to for me to go. This is something really cool and special, and I need to tell people about it. Um, but I want to I want to thank you for coming on here and, and talking more about how the game was uh, was made. Uh, other than uh, buying Rim Capsule itself on the uh, on PSN through PlayStation Mobile uh, or iOS and Android marketplaces, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Uh, do you have a Twitter account that you'd like to talk about? 
I do. It's Grapefrukt, again, with a Swedish spelling. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, would you like to spell that? So it's it's like grapefruit, but in Swedish. Yes. And in being in Swedish, it means you swap the I for a K. <laughs> okay. So G-R-A-P-E-F-R-U-K-T. Cool. Uh, that's my Twitter account. And I also have another game you should totally play that's sort of a, like, I guess it's also minimalist. It's a one-button dungeon crawler. It's a Flash game. You can play it for free. It's called Glorg, G-L-O-R-G. Okay. And how do how do people go and play that? Just Google for G-L-O-R-G. Okay. Uh, it's on Armor Games. All right. But it's, it's a Flash game, so it's everywhere on the internet. People steal those like they were free. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> so it's everywhere. It's a couple of years old, but it's it's a pretty cool game. I'm happy with that. All right, well, very. And it's cool. free. Yeah, and, and then uh, Rimcapsule Rimcapsule also has a website, and that's uh, Rimcapsule.com, correct? Indeed. All right. Well, uh, yeah, uh, Martin, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, for anybody who's uh, who's listening, we're going to try to do another uh, quick episode here uh, in the in the next week or so. Uh, on uh, handheld game, uh, handheld system launch lineups, and kind of talk about the uh, the different the different games that uh, that came out on on these different platforms, and and probably end up trying to talk about which one had the best. And the answer will probably be the Game Boy Advance, of course. Um, Geo Pocket Color. <sighs> Did you say that as a joke, or do you or do you have a real? Uh, you, are you going to back that up? Uh, no, I'm not going to back that up. It's, <laughs> okay. it's my sort of my running thing. Like if everyone and like any any of my friends announces a new platform for the game, <laughs> I always ask for a new Geo Pocket Color, the, the one console I wanted to be on. Oh, that's great! That's fantastic. Oh man. Uh, but yes, so uh, so this was episode 17, and uh, I think I'll end the show by saying one third last time, uh, Martin. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, it's been great. Thank you very much for having me. All right. I'll see you guys.